Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. This is Victor Everson, and my name is Mark Rennick. At the first of this show, what we attempt to do is to tell you who funds us. Systemic Change of Idaho is our funding source, and what our mission is is to educate Idahoans on what it's like to be on parole or just get out of prison and the difficulties that we have. It is sponsored by, and we are actually an advocacy organization, via the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul. And in that capacity, we do that in a couple different matters. One is to do this radio show. If you go back and look at the archives here at KBXL, uh, you'll see under Victory Over Sin uh, almost two years' worth of shows now and addressing people who have been supportive of those of us, like myself, who are returning citizens. And we've got players. The head of the Department of Corrections is on there. Some national people are on there. Uh, we've got local people, agencies. We've got people who've been in the system, people are just out of the system, people are just off parole. It's a good interaction of people that address and work with those of us who are out of incarceration. Uh, this program actually came about because about five and a half years ago, they started a conference with St. Vincent de Paul, and it was called the Reentry Conference. And what happened was, is, as you get out of incarceration, you call up the number at St. Vincent de Paul, and you let them know that you've just gotten out of incarceration, and then somebody from that group comes out and visits with you. Actually, two people come out and visit with you. They help pay for your rent. They uh, offer you a bus pass, give you some clothing vouchers, and offer you uh, maybe potentially a bike, and they offer you that support within the first 90 days of your release. That program got real successful and got some notoriety on a national level within St. Vincent de Paul, so they sent a couple of people out here, and they hung around with us for a couple of days. And they said, hey, if you had some more money, what would you do? And we said, we'd try to teach people in Idaho what it's like to be on parole. And that's what Systemic Change of Idaho is. We do the radio show, and we also do a very powerful PowerPoint that we will share with church groups, with service groups, with businesses, anybody that would like to see it. It is about a 20-minute PowerPoint that addresses the issues that face those of us who are coming out of incarceration, how much it costs. Uh, the difficulty we have in terms of housing, in terms of getting a job, and the problems just getting around just upon release from from prison. And more importantly, what it's done to families uh, who have been, uh, families of people who have been incarcerated. We don't need to negate the fact that we broke the law. That's not the issue. The issue is a transition back. What Idaho needs to understand is that 97% of the people who are out there in that desert are going to be released, and they're going to be our neighbors. So we hope to uh, make things easier for them by educating people and having everybody work together to make the system a little bit better. We've done some exciting things since we've been started with this money from Systemic Change. We're looking forward to a future, uh, 2018, where we're expanding some of our meet-and-greet kind of efforts on uh, the first day out of release into Canyon County. We're also building a reentry conference in Canyon County so that we'll be able to do the same thing in Canyon County that we've been doing in Ada County. So we're excited about 2018. We also have linked up very strongly with an organization based in New York called Just Leadership USA. 
and incapacity. That is an organization that attempts to take people who have been incarcerated and make them better leaders. One way you can get involved with that, especially if you're in the desert, is to have your case manager or write me for that matter, and I will send you an application and you'll be on the mailing list and you'll get all sorts of information as we go forward. That organization looks to become the advocacy organization for those of us who have been incarcerated, much like AARP is to the seniors. Just Leadership USA looks to be uh, that organization for them. So look for those kinds of things coming up in the future. Uh, We hope there'll be more involvement with them as we go forward. Uh, I'm excited to have a lady from me from Columbus, Ohio, as we attempt to build together other different reentry programs throughout the St. Vincent de Paul family. And she is here. And we will be right back and we'll talk to her in just a minute. The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and coffee shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition, we pay for that call. Okay, we're back. We have Wendy Tarr with us, who is the director of the Vicentian, Ohio Action Network from Columbus, Ohio. Wendy, thank uh, you for coming. Hello. How's everybody doing out there? It's good. Welcome to Idaho. Thank you. Wendy has been a part of this coalition that we've kind of put together from uh, the reentry group on a nationwide basis. And she's been, I will tell you, she's been a She's been, gosh, the great organizer of all of us get together. She gets up on the board and she starts drawing out stuff. So thank you for coming. Happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about your background, where you were born, et cetera. Well, I was uh, born in South Florida and uh, grew up in Florida and went to school at Florida State University. You're a Gator, huh? Uh, no, Seminole. Seminole, I'm sorry. Seminole, Ooh, yeah. No. Watch sorry. out. Watch out. Um, yeah, Florida State and Tallahassee. And um, I got a degree in public relations and communication um, and also studied religion. And, um, you know, I, I, when I was there, I um, really was feeling just a really deep call to be involved in addressing injustice in the world and have always felt uh, important that I need to use my skills and my voice and whatever I have, you know, to try to make the world a a more um, fair place. Um, There's such a disparity of power and money and access um, in our country and in the world. And um, something I, um, is part of why I studied public relations. I knew I wanted to address something. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, I had a professor who, um, I was speaking with about this and uh, put me in touch with the uh, Florida Catholic Conference, which oh. does um, policy work for the church in that state. And I became involved in a 
program to help farm workers, mm-hmm. educating the the faith communities about those issues and training people who worked in the fields to come and advocate for themselves mm-hmm. around changes that they needed to have a safer work environment mm-hmm. and uh, better protections and wages on the job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that was something that started very um, immediately for me and being able to blend the my call to do this work, which was rooted in my faith mm-hmm. um, and being able to utilize that in, uh, you know, in my work. And those, is that kind of work you did in Florida? You did that in Florida? I did that in and, Florida. And then you ended up in California where I kind of, I spent a lot of time in California and I know that some of my closest friends mm-hmm. were kind of out of that movement, the Cesar Chavez kind of thing in California that were that old time guard that led all that stuff. So yeah. did you do that? Do you move? you ended up moving to California, right? I moved to California. Um, my, uh, my husband was going to school there, so out of college, I, um, I I spent a little bit of time in India, in Calcutta, really? oh, doing some work, fantastic. and then I moved to um, Southern California. And um, from there, I, I got connected with an organization um, called Clergy and Laity United for Economic Justice, uh-huh. and continued that type of work where we were... Um, working about low-wage workers and how the struggles of, of low-wage workers to be able to be heard in a, in a system that's really um, controlled and dominated by big corporate yeah. interests. And that was and, in the Orange County area? That was in the Orange um, County? Yeah, in Los Angeles. And then we became, I, I helped um, develop our program and organization in Orange County, and I led that for Six years. Yeah, I know. That's I was in Orange County too for um, almost six myself. So it's mm-hmm. it is a Southern California is a um, force. You would almost think. I think you know it kind of. Yeah. You don't you don't know how wrapped up you are in it until you get away from it. I think would did you find anything like that? Or? Sure. Yeah, I learned a lot, and I think you know what was interesting for me is I believe that you know we talk about in our faith, you know the 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 dignity of work. Mm-hmm. That work is really meant to be, it's not just a way to make a living, but it's also a form of um, participation, continuing participation in, in God's creation. He's given us um, gifts and skills and talents, and to be able to use that in the way that helps build our world and our community and our you know business and education and all the things that we need in our community to thrive. And um, I think that, that unfortunately, we what is this called? Freedom over sin, you know, victory over sin. sin. It's nationally syndicated, huge show. Everybody listens. Well, great. So I, I mean, I think that, that there's been a lot of, uh, there's sin in the world that has broken world. Very broken. And instead of making our work really be centered on human needs and human flourishing and participation, it's been a real, um, you know, greed and, and power and things that have really, you know, I think marginalized a lot of people in their work where we have such huge um, numbers of people who are working people who are very poor. And um, I find that just to be really, um, really discouraging and something I, I'm not willing to just accept. Mm-hmm. And I think how I got involved in the prison issues is... Um, Somehow you got to Ohio. Yeah, well... 
yeah, we moved and my husband is from Ohio. So we wanted to be closer to family and, um, you know, and, and, and felt that that was where we needed to move to. And, um, you know, the, the, the opportunity came, um, to me to be able to help St. Vincent de Paul become involved in systemic change Mm -hmm. in the Columbus area in central Ohio. And as we formed um, organizations, there are think tanks on poverty, bringing together people experiencing issues of poverty to understand what were the barriers and difficulties in their lives and systemic issues that were keeping them and their families stuck in poverty. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we mapped that out. We did a lot of listening, a lot of um, coming together with folks and the issue, some of the issues that rose to the top um, were access to good quality jobs that pay a living wage. Of course, how are we going to get out of poverty without that? Some people have um, even a more difficulty accessing those jobs than others, especially folks that have been involved in the justice system. Um, Gaps in services for mental health and addiction recovery issues, again, has a high overlap with um, the same population of people who um, may be involved in our justice system. And um, the, other things about discrimination or, um, you know, there's stigma that's attached to a person's criminal record and how that impacts your ability to get stable housing, stable work. And so that just became a real focus. And we've been doing this work for about four years in central Ohio. And I've spent a lot of time really trying to understand the current um, philosophy and the current um, status of our of our state around incarceration and reentry and, and where we can go um, in order to make change that would help uh, promote more restorative justice. And that would also empower people who are involved. Cause you are perceived at least from, I mean, I'm in Idaho and uh, part of a few, oh, at least one national organization. Ohio is perceived to be more on a cutting edge in terms of addressing those changes. Would you agree with that? Or especially after hanging around with all of us for the last couple of days? We're in different levels in terms of sophistication. Don't you think Ohio is ahead of the uh, the game? Or? There's certainly things that Ohio is doing that are 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 really good. Um, our recidivism rates are lower than the national average. Right. You have so many. How many people are incarcerated in Ohio? Um, over fifty thousand. Okay. Um, and I think that Ohio had made attempts to decrease the prison population through certain uh, legislative uh, bills, but. Mm-hmm. The outcome of those things, unfortunately, has not resulted in the prison population decreasing. And so that's been a real problem. Um, I, I, I mean, I think that there are always, uh, we have a lot of ways to go. I, I am a little reluctant to say we should be seen as some forefront, um, although I know that there are um, a lot of things that people are doing, you know, to try to improve and work on um, programs in prison and reentry programs, but well, I think all of it, help me if you disagree or disagree if you want to, but all of us, the, everything that we do is to potentially to go forward and show, you know, God's love in everything that Absolutely. we do. And so as I do that, it, it it feeds off everybody who's around me, who interacts with me, who interacts with you. Mm-hmm. And then you and I both go forward and make the world a better place as we go forward. And I think that's what we should be as Christians. That's what, you know, Jesus Absolutely. taught us to do. And so that's what I attempt to do. And I know that's what gives me um, what I feel as peace in my heart as I go forward because I, we, you and I don't do it for the money because we don't have tremendous amounts of money, I'm, I'm assuming. I don't. So uh, you do it 
to have that peace of, of, of mind, if you will, as you go forward. And that's the real positive thing about it. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what I enjoy doing. Uh, what I had a kindred spirit in you, because I spent a couple of days with you now, that there's a real genuineness about you and there's a heart that's really at peace. And I, I think um, address that as you, do you see that in other people and then focus on that and say, I see something in you that you don't have as you're working with people, either impoverished or coming out of incarceration. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? And then do you, do you give more attention to those people or do you, if you see it, uh, do you deal with that more so than you deal with somebody else that doesn't care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the work that we do is always, is very spiritual, right. you know, and how we encounter individuals and, um, try to listen and, and, and sense, not just with our, listen with our ears, but also with our heart. And, and it's not always what people are saying, but you can sense a person's presence. And I, I think what you're saying is really true. And how to, I mean, part of my work, I, I'm a community organizer. Mm-hmm. So part of what that work means is that you're, you're trying to listen for what it is that is motivating a person that where where their sense of joy and call and urgency um, it could be something that makes them just really feel happy and fulfilled. It could be a place people are motivated and kind of move through the world in some different ways. Sometimes it's something that you know makes somebody really angry or frustrated that they just want to fix you know and they feel like they have to. Uh, work on something. And so part of it is how we can listen for who is this person and what is going on with this person and how can I help them move forward towards um, contributing and and bringing their full self forward in the world. And sometimes that means inviting them to participate in what we're doing. And that's, of course, what I'm looking for is I believe, you know, we want to create a community where people are able to a work together to help um, bring greater justice and, and, and a healthy community and empowering one another to make a change in individual lives and systems. But isn't there also, there's a model of community organizer that says to take that disgruntledness and gather five more people and gather five more Absolutely. people and throw signs up and stop and, and uh influence and negatively impact thing to show attention to it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you don't strike me as that type of person. You strike me as that type of person who finds the people that wants to build a coalition around your efforts and community and go forward and do it in a positive fashion. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different tactics That's for how to make change. And, and, you know, um, I think when people feel that they're not being heard, right. you know, it's not, um, Surprising that they would want to have some way of being heard and come together and try to make that visible. So marches and protests and ways of sort of gathering and generating energy is one part of 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 lifting up that uh, frustration. And it could be positive. People gather and sing. People, you yeah. know, the civil rights movement was a very visible presence with banners and, and signs and whatnot. But there's also um, that's just one part of of a process of of working for change in our society, and so there's also building relationships with um, and building um, avenues for communication with 
people who have influence and power, you know, in areas that you want to, um, to create an influence. And, um, so I just think all of us need to bring our gifts and what it is mm. that we see. Um, mm. yeah, I think the, uh, the thing that uh, so much of what we do, I argue is always just listening to people and understanding kind of where they're coming from and being that voice that listens to them. And it's not so much, I get criticized for not being aggressive enough in terms of trying to move, move forward my point. But I, I, number one, it's not a good style for me. But number two, I don't think it's the most effective way either. Mm -hmm. I'd rather build that coalition of people and then show you the example of my behavior as well as the facts that this is a different direction to go and to effect change uh, on a more long-term basis. And some people differ with me about that, and I've been criticized for that. But uh, I do think it's more effective, and I think the way you approach it is – Especially when you called yourself a community organizer, uh, that that um, that works better. I don't mm-hmm. know whether you and there's a lot of you guys in Ohio that are really that on the other side. You know who are that militant kind of. You get five people, I get five people. We'll have signs and we'll go scream at somebody at some mm-hmm. dinner place or something. So that that's out there nowadays. Yeah. Do you find that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I and I I think that there's a level of discomfort that that causes. Absolutely. Um, uh, and that is, um, you know, it's not that that's, I, I just think that there's a lot of different components to how you make change. And I I would, you know, listening to what you're saying, I mean, I do try to build those bridges. I feel like I, I, I attempt to try to bridge across groups in order to move towards positive yeah. momentum <laughs> and listening and trying to understand, even if I may disagree with another person's perspective um, or approach, you know, why people are coming and, 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 and doing the things that they're doing and what is really underneath all of that. Like what's underneath all of that, you know, oftentimes is a desire for, you know, wanting to feel safe or wanting to have enough to take care of your family or wanting, you know, there's something that's underneath it. We may not always agree with the application of mm-hmm. a certain policy, but I think we share a lot in common as human beings about what we want um, for ourselves, for our families. You know, we want to feel, um, you know, like we are safe and that we can, we can live our lives in a way that, that is not, you know, um, that you don't feel like you're under some kind of attack. And that does, you know, I think that that how we can listen to what is underneath sometimes behavior that we might, that may not be our particular style, but who is that person and what's motivating? And maybe there's some things we can do to try to work together for change. As as you go forward in what is now, because reentry is a relatively new sort of area for your organization, right? And so how how are you going to incorporate that population into what you're doing now? Because yeah, you're here with us to talk about Absolutely. That. Uh, we work in directly with um, people who've been incarcerated in their families mm-hmm. in order to build a organization where we can work towards change. So our membership is made up of individuals who've been incarcerated and we have them as on alongside of us organizing the community. Um, so it's a really integrated uh, work as well as people from the com- people from the larger community, people from faith communities that want to make a difference. And so I believe that um, 
you know, people who have been directly impacted by a particular issue are experts in that issue. Um, it's not always just the professional person who went to school and got a, a you know, a degree that should be at the table making decisions. It needs to be people whose lives have no, been directly impacted by these things. And that's the type of work that we're trying to do. Um, with the Vincentian Ohio Action Network and our number of projects throughout Central Ohio, um, in order to to make some change. Yeah. So, uh, anything else we need to talk about in closing that you want to address from Ohio that we didn't talk about? Give you a chance to talk about some. No, I, I think you know one of the things that I just believe is our our justice system has really used a very by and large, a punitive approach. You know, somebody has made harm in the community, you remove mm-hmm. them from the community for a period of time and then release them back to the community. Um, and and there's sometimes programs and different things that people get, but a lot of what I've been um, studying about as I do this work is is really asking people, not just what did you do, but what happened to you? Mm-hmm. What That's what right. happened? What was part of your story? And, and, and what led up to the behavior that may have landed you here inside the prison. And, yeah, and then I would argue we're, it's all about our story and mm-hmm. what, where we were and where we got off track that led us to incarceration. And if you can get down to that level where you get people to start talking about it, start thinking about it, then that's the spot where that in conjunction with uh, approaching your relationship with Jesus Christ is the way to give that peace in your heart to uh, go forward. I think yeah. uh, the likelihood is that you and I are going to run across better people that by doing that sort of work, then we will just walking around them on the regular streets. So that's that's the cool thing about what we get to do, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of of trauma that people have faced in their Absolutely. lives, and we, you know, I hope that we can have a a, a system that recognizes and and works towards being more um, able to help a person heal, help a person heal um, while they're incarcerated, deal with that rehabilitation, so that when they come back to the community. Um, they are more equipped um, and, and, and can come back to the community in a way that they can contribute mm-hmm. um, and that they don't continue to be broken down. That the that right now, I think a lot of what we do with our incarceration um, continues to add trauma instead of to build towards healing. And yeah. that's just something that I'm passionate about. And, and, and we learned that through listening to folks and trying to figure out, you know, yeah. what you is it go, that they need? If you don't go back to that trauma and start addressing it, you're never, it's going to be very difficult for That's you right. on an ongoing basis. So, well, listen, for the reentry community, welcome into there. And I'm glad you came to Boise, Idaho and uh, got to share with us. And it was so nice for you to come on today and talk to us. Thank, Thank you, you so for the much. opportunity to be here. Look, come back anytime. Will do. Okay. Again, I want to thank Wendy. You can tell uh, she was part of that network that was here for uh, St. Vincent Paul and the reentry conference. And she was an integral force in kind of having us develop programs on an ongoing basis that we think were going to have an impact on those of us who have been incarcerated. Uh, she's going to be a key factor. Um, if you need to reach out and touch us in terms of getting in touch with us or trying to understand you want us to come out and do a presentation or this has touched your heart and you want to get involved, you can call us or get in touch with us at www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send us an email at systemicchangeofidaho, all spelled out, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram, Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the telephone, believe it or not, 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you 
next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.